All right, from last week, hope you all remember. If not, I'm going to review just quickly, but I want to get done with this tonight. We've been talking about weathering the storm and the tests that we would have to go through. Now, I'd encourage you, if you feel a little bit behind, go back and download the last two weeks, two Wednesday nights. But the tests that we go through, do you remember what we looked at from last time of the parable of the sower? That we're going to go through two different types of tests. Tests that are hard and bad and tests of success and good. And how many of you know both of them are hard to get through? It's not hard to get through a good thing, is it? But when you've got success, sometimes it's hard to stay on the straight and narrow. Anybody ever noticed? Maybe you're not completely falling off the wagon and going into some type of big sin, but you stop seeking after God because you don't have that need. Sometimes it's easier when we're going through tough things to stay on track with God because we're so in need. However, there are times when things are so bad we think that God has left us and we abandon Him and try to hang on with all that we've got. But even in the successful tests, sometimes those tests are just as hard, if not harder, to stay on track with God. And as we saw how the Word would go out into different kinds of soil, this is going to be in Matthew 13, um, it began to show how when the, when the seeds were thrown out, some were gone by the wayside and was devoured by birds before it could enter the ground. And that other seeds fell on rocky ground among thorns. And Jesus explains this type of person... Um, and he began to describe each person and what situation they're going through. Now, let's just start right there. Matthew 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Now, I want you to catch, let's go back, uh, Blake, if you don't mind. A big word right here is understand. You see, there is, there is something that needs to happen with you when you're hearing the word either preached over you or you're reading it, is that you're not reading it in a way that you're not understanding it. That doesn't mean you understand everything, but you are trying to digest it. You're not just reading it to read it, you're reading it to, to learn something. And you know, whenever you pick up a book and start to learn, and, and you're in need of learning, like a self-help book or a financial book or um, you know, whatever you're studying, you know what it takes? It takes a humbling of yourself. You're having to say, I don't know what to do here. I need to read about it. And when we go and read the Word of God, if we will approach the Word of God in that way, maybe we will slow down for just a minute because if you can get into understanding, it's going to be a lot harder for that to be taken away from you. You can come in here and tonight I can give you a good word and you can say, man, that was a good word. I agree with that. But if you don't let it go into understanding and let it go into your heart, man, you're going to get into a trial and not even remember the first thing I said. Studies have so shown that you'll not, you won't be able to retain but 5% or so of what a teacher teaches you. It's why you need to take notes. It's why you need to listen to it again. It's why it says to meditate on my word. God says meditate on my word. Do you remember what that means? That doesn't mean some goofy light of candle and, and no, it means chew on it. And bring it back up and talk about it again. And you, how many of you have read a scripture over and over and over and then finally one time it clicks? I've been reading the one-year Bible, I believe it's 12 years now. I can't remember how many it's been. And someone was asking me about reading the Bible and the first time through they didn't get much. Well, I didn't either. The second time through I got more. Let me tell you, I'm still, scriptures I've read over and over and over, the Lord is still revealing to me 
His word, His answers, His way. Sometimes maybe I wasn't ready for it. Maybe I really wasn't thinking it through. Maybe it just was a God-timing thing that today, Paul, I'm going to release this revelation to you. But that's a big word there, that we understand it. So that the wicked one does not come and gain entrance into our life. That we, we can't let the enemy gain entrance. We've got to let the seed gain entrance into our life. Then Jesus goes on to describe uh, two kinds of people who did receive the seed and began to produce fruit. But unfortunately, it, the fruit came to nothing because they failed to pass the test to which they were subjected. The first group was the stony places. The second group were the thorns. Let's look at it, uh, verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, look at that, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now can you see just right there from those two scriptures, trials and tribulations and deceitfulness and riches. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about tough things and successful things. And in both of them, you have an opportunity to miss it. When trials and tribulations come, the word got taken. And when riches came, it choked out the word. What, can you see how that could happen, how a good word could come, but you're really not in need because everything's going great. I'm not going to worry about that right now, and I'm going to keep on going my way. But when the trials and tribulations come or when, when attack does come, you've let that word go. We've not chewed on it. Uh, I'm going to go back to that word meditate because it's not just chewing on it. It's like a cow with cud. You may know like that. I'm a good country boy. I was talking to Ron, who's a New York farmer, he says. But we don't, we don't understand Tennessee farming. Now, you're from Boston. Y'all don't get it either, but Tennessee farming. I heard that. You're out there. I know you are. You're just not saying anything. But a cow will literally eat and then kind of bring it back up and chew on it some more. And then digest it and bring it back up again. It's kind of a nasty thing, but not when it comes to the Word of God. Two kinds of tests, persecution and prosperity. We all know what persecution is, and I think we all know what prosperity is and how sometimes we can get wrapped up in ourself in both of them and miss what is being said. And there are others who receive the word with joy. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been around somebody that comes away just jumping up and down with joy, ready to give their testimony, just shouting from the rooftops? And then a few months later, you can't find them anywhere. Opposition came. That's what it says there. If we go back to verse 21, tribulations and persecutions arises, and immediately he stumbles. The truth is we've got to endure both tests. We'll be tested by tribulations, and we'll be tested by success. And you know what? We've got to hold out through both. I'm going to give you four suggestions on how to achieve endurance. Number one, and these are not... The, the, I'm not going to discount it. This is going to be good. Number one is a firm commitment. A firm 
commitment. You know it means something when you stand, stand toe-to-toe with somebody and look them in their eye and give them a firm commitment. You know what the difference is? It's not saying, yeah, I'll do it. Rob comes and says, will you come and do this for me? Yeah, I'll do it. Or I look him in the eye and says, yes, you can count on me. I will fulfill that for you. There's a difference. It feels different. It has gone into my heart. I have looked him in the eye and I have given my word. I haven't just said, yeah, I'll do it. And then we don't show up and we don't fulfill it. But a firm commitment. God, I commit my heart to you tonight to start to live according to your word and start to walk my things out according to your word. And Lord, when I wake up in the morning, let me think of you. And let me get my Bible and set it by my bed so that I don't miss it because it'll be easy to miss. The alarm goes off, the coffee's not made, the kids are screaming, the clothes aren't clean, the job's calling. All of a sudden, every distraction's coming at me to try to get me to give up that commitment. But I'm going to put things in my way to stop me to think, God, I need to think God this morning. Because I'm going to stumble. We're going to have problems out here. But I need to get God before me. You've got to come first. And let me tell you, if you're not good, if you're not a real organized person, get organized. How many of you have challenges when it comes to certain types of organization? I do. How many of you forget stuff? I do. So what do I do? I put double, I put double and triple checklists in place. I am so bad about alarms, I'll have three alarms going to make sure I get up. In fact, if I've got to get up early and I've got three alarms going, I won't sleep wondering if one of those alarms won't go off. But when I have to make sure that something is that important, what do we do? We put things in our way. We put post-it notes stuck to our forehead. We put them on the... We put them on the in the bathroom. We put them before we go out the door. I I even saw um, my wife leave a list for our kids while it's fall break. And you know where she put the note? On the remote control. You know what? They found it. Stick it anywhere else, it'd get lost. You stick it on that remote control because sure enough, I grabbed it and I was like, what is this? And it was stuck good. So you know what? They found it. Because we have a tendency of forgetting. Mom told us to empty the dishwasher. I I forgot, Mom. No, you didn't. It was on that note. You read it. Do you hear me? We have to make a firm commitment. There's no dilly-dallying. There's no lollygagging. Let me tell you, you lollygag in God's Word and Satan will beat you down. You, get, you make a firm commitment to God. Let me tell you something. God has made a firm commitment to you. Two scriptural uh, exhortations to new converts. First is in Acts 11.23. Shows when Barnabas said to a new group of Christians in the city of Antioch, he said when he came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all That with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. What is the key part of this scripture? Purpose of heart. It's not that they would just continue with the Lord. You know, good luck, good luck serving God. No, with purpose of heart. It indicates you've got to make up your mind to stick with God regardless. If your friends don't, you will. Even if your family doesn't, you will. 
That is the purpose of heart that we need. Then in Acts 14, 22, we find Barnabas and Paul exhorting new converts in a similar way. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Even new Christians need to know that there is no other way into the kingdom of God except through tribulation. We do not walk an altar, pray a prayer, and all our troubles go away. No, nope, but we have just been equipped with, with, a, with the successful tool to walk through these. But we are naive to think that troubles are not going to come. They are going to come. I mean, even Jesus Christ, when he received the Holy Spirit, what was the first thing that happened? He was led into temptation. Jesus. So don't think for a second that temptation won't come, or temptation or tribulations won't come to you. When people come to the Lord, we owe it to them to warn them that they are, as they're moving into kingdom living, that there will be tribulation and there will be opposition. Number two, number one, a firm commitment. Number two, focus on the eternal. What do I mean? The second principle is found in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, And it's referring to Moses who grew up in Egypt destined to inherit the throne as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had been educated. He had wealth. He had social privilege. In fact, he had everything that the world could offer. And at the age of 40, he turned his back on it all. He fled from Egypt and he spent the next 40 years looking after a few sheep in the backside of the desert. The verse says of Moses, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is Moses. This is Moses who grew up in Egypt under all the Egypt teaching. But by faith he forsook it all, not fearing what would come at him, because he was focused on God. Isn't that, isn't that good? That's the essence of endurance, seeing Him who is invisible. Faith is the faculty that enables us to see that which is invisible. And it's related to the unseen, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. If we can hold out, if we are to hold out, the unseen world must be more real to us than the seen. Otherwise, we fall in love with the world. And we turn our back on the unseen realities of God's kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, For our lot affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's important to see that affliction only works out God's purpose for us while we keep our eyes on the unseen. The unseen is the eternal and does not change. Let me encourage you not to just spend time in your Bible. Read it. Meditate on it. Live it. Believe it. Ask the Holy Spirit to make it real to you. Soon, 
as you begin to drink in the word and really, you know, it talks about, Jesus talks about that we are to be connected to the vine. We are to be connected to God himself. And when we connect by his word, his kingdom will become so real to you that nothing in this world could tempt you to be disloyal to Christ. Nothing. It doesn't, say, it doesn't mean temptation won't come. But when you are full of his spirit and full of his word, you know, Scripture says you will not be tempted any worse than what you can handle. When you succumb to temptation, it's not because God has not equipped you to get through it. He has. Number three. So number one, a firm commitment. Number two, focus on the eternal. Number three, this one's a biggie. Don't give up. You remember, is it uh, Jim Falvano, the North Carolina State coach, when he was dying of cancer? That was his speech, don't give up. Don't ever give up. I want you to know, in, in the kingdom of God, we don't give up. God will never give up on you. Never. Firm commitment, keeping our eyes on the unseen. If you fail, don't give up. One of Satan's most clever tricks is to say, you're a failure, you might as well give up because God's given up on you. Let me tell you something. Don't believe him. He's a liar. He's a liar. Psalm 37, David wrote this, verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. We're going to fall. We're going to fall. But do you know who's got your hand? The Lord's got your hand. David knew that. Even though he had fallen terribly and tragically under the matter of Bathsheba, God forgave him and restored him. He could say, even when you fall, don't give up. God will pick you back up. There was a man in the New Testament who also fell. His name was Peter. Jesus spoke to Peter, knowing that he would deny him three times. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail. Wrong scripture. Luke 22, 33, 31, and 32. Yeah. But I have prayed for you. Let's go back. I don't know if he had it up there. Let's read it again. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Isn't that, isn't that pretty significant? Satan's, Satan's after us one by one. And he's even asking God that he might sift us as wheat. And you know what the Lord said? I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now, you know what, what, what Jesus did not pray? That he wouldn't deny him. Jesus knew we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But Lord, don't let his faith fail. Don't let your faith 
fail. When you fall down, get up. It's why I believe that David is, again, is one of my favorite ones to study, is that David made mistakes, just like you, just like me. But the difference with David is David owned it every time. How many of you have messed up and you wouldn't own it? Own it. You did it. Own it with God. David always said, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. David always repented. Now, now when Nathan was coming to him, I believe it was Nathan, he was hiding it. You remember he, the prophet came and said, what would you do, David, if, if, uh, if one man over here had this big old flock of sheep and another man over here just had one little lamb? was barely making it. But this man came and killed that little lamb. What would you do to him? Now, I'm messing it up probably pretty bad. But David said, that man, sh- that man should die. And you know what the prophet said? That man is you. You have taken this woman's husband. You have taken this woman, and you've killed her husband. That man is you. And you know what David said? You're right. I did. Whatever the Lord wants to do to me let him do. This is the king. He didn't have to bow down to nobody. Do y'all follow me? This is the man, this is the man of all authority over his, that entire kingdom. And he said, you're right. I have blown it. Can I tell you one great way to come to God tonight is go, God, I've blown it. Forgive me. Here I am. You know what that does? I believe that breaks down every chain in your life and opens up your heart for that word to be able to come in and take root. The word needs to take root in your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. And I want you to know Jesus is praying that your faith does not fail. Even though you deny me, your faith will not fail. You will fall, but you will get up again. In the same way, if you fall, stretch out your hand by faith and let the Lord pick you up. Don't give up. Number four, last one. Keep your eye on the prize. The fourth principle, remember the prize giving. Not all the issues of life are settled now. There are some things that remain for the future. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul writes his testimony of faith from his jail cell. This is from the jail. And Paul's eye is on the prize. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If any of you guys follow my Twitter or follow us on Facebook, that's what I put tonight. That that's, where our, that's where we are tonight. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, has Paul experienced trials and tribulations? Terribly. Terribly. But he did not let go of the Lord. And do you remember Paul's history? He used to condemn and be a part of the killing of Christians. And the Lord restored him. Someone that was completely against God, blatantly, out in public, speaking negatively about Jesus and the way. 
can God restore you? Yes, he can. Keep an eye on the prize. Those three things go together. Keep the faith, fight the fight. As I close, let me tell you, faith is a fight. You cannot escape the fight and keep the faith. You got to fight the fight to finish the race. Paul did all three. He fought the fight, he finished the race, he kept the faith. From then on, he was waiting for the prize giving. Look at the next verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which, is the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I believe we're going to be shocked at the... Um, the rewards that are handed out when we get to heaven. I don't, th- I don't think they're all going to necessarily be the same. There, the Lord gives us incentives to do his word. Number one, your health is going to be good. You know, it says if you'll, if you'll, if you'll abide in his word, he's going to give you health. He's going to provide for you. But not only that, there is going to be provision for us in heaven. Do you know he's preparing a place for you? How do I know that there's different rewards? Because it talks about teachers. There's bigger responsibility on teachers. It says it in Scripture. You, know, you, don't, need to, you don't need to be a teacher if you're not called to be and if you're not really working hard at it. And if you're, if you're, uh, you need to take it very weighty. It's, it's the same as stepping into a ministerial position. And let me tell you, I've got the fear of God on me that I fulfill that because it could go both ways for me. It could be good or it could be bad. But I'm, I'm seeing that it's going to be good. We're gonna, I'm going to preach the blood of Jesus until I go to, until Jesus comes back or until I go. The blood of Jesus and the cross. Repentance and victory. You know what? That's the way I want to live. But I'll tell you, trials and tribulations are going to come. The blood of Jesus, the cross. What did we sing tonight? At the cross, I lay my burdens at your feet. Where your love covers all I've done. Now I walk with you, Lord. I need to continue to give him my burdens, continue to lay everything out before him, come to the cross to let him take my burdens, to let him have my pains and my hurts. And to walk with him. He's got my back. He's got my front. Paul was awaiting trial and probable execution at the hands of an unjust ruler. But he said, that's not the last word. There's going to be another judgment day, a prize giving day. And that judge will be absolutely just. There is great rewards to those that endure. There's character. There's hope. If I can, just encourage you just for a moment. Make a firm commitment. Make a firm commitment and stand on that commitment. Make a firm commitment. 
Focus on the eternal. Don't give up and keep your eye on the prize. If you ever heard the story, and I'll close with this, about the uh, dog track and how uh, usually just one or two dogs sees the rabbit and they all just run. But if a dog ever gets that rabbit, it ruins them. Sometimes we're running just because everybody else is running. But that dog that saw, that saw the rabbit will not stop. He saw it. He will not stop. Now, one day we're going we're gonna to reach that rabbit. And our trials and tribulations are going to be over. It's not going to ruin us. It's going to be glorious. But we need to see the rabbit. I believe it was uh, Bob Mumford that talked about seeing the rabbit. You need to stop chasing. You need to, your walk with God does not need to be based on what your mom and your dad did. You need to see God. You need to get a taste. Taste and see how good he is. You need to get it. If you're still kind of riding on mom and dad's coattails, that's okay. It's time to break away and make solid, you young people, make solid your relationship. It's not just you young people. Adults have done it. Listen, I did it. I was 25 years old and still, 21 years old and still riding on my parents' coattails. And then attack came. And there I was, all by myself. And you know what? I had to, I had to find God on my own. Not on my own. They helped me. But do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You need to see the Lord. You get a taste of Him, you won't go back. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just, I just ask you with these precious, dear, precious brothers and sisters that we've got here tonight, Lord, and I believe just being here tonight is just a commitment, a commitment saying we are, we are needing filled back up of your presence, Lord. We get through the week and we start getting empty. But Lord, these faithful people that are here tonight, Lord, I just ask that you would just give each and every one of them revelation. Revelation knowledge. That, Lord, in their sleep tonight, that tomorrow, that they would see you. I believe that tonight in worship, Lord, I believe we've had some opportunities to see you. But, Father, help us to make a firm commitment and be men and women of God and stand on that commitment. And when we fall, get up. For the Lord has got your hand. We have not failed if we don't quit. We will not be quitters. Lord, I just pray that our faith would not fail. Lord, I just ask you as you sit at the right hand of the Father that you would pray that our faith would not fail. And that, Lord, as Satan is trying to pick us off and sift us as wheat, that, Lord, we just say according to your word, pray for us. You are our advocate. You are at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Lord, let us receive your gift of salvation. Let us receive the gift of your word. And Lord, let it go in deep and let us walk according to that word. Father, I just thank you. You're so good to us. Those that have come in here with just absolute um, devastation facing them, I pray for an answer. 
I pray for provision, whether it's health or whether it's finances or your home or your job, your relationship, your marriage. Father, I ask for a miracle. Rescue us according to your word. Your word says that we can call you answer, and you came to our rescue. Rescue us, Lord. I just humble myself before you as the pastor of this church and say, Lord, we're a people that need rescuing. Rescue us, Lord. And Lord, in turn, we're going to get in your word and we're coming after you. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you Sunday morning. Uh, Peter and Phoebe Sozi will be here Sunday morning. If you haven't ever heard them, they are fantastic. Please come.